Hello and welcome to the VCD Roundtable May edition. Um, after we have started off the year with a, with a few um, setups of uh, individual ones, which came out in, I think, one week difference. But now we are back together. We are at least four people. I'm not sure if there is an earthquake going on in parallel where York is placed, but at least it doesn't come up to northern Germany. And as it's not shaking in Austria as well, it seems to be a very local spot of an earthquake. But um, other than that, uh, welcome to the VCD Roundtable. We are a group of four today. Um, and let's do a quick round of intros. Um, my name is Eve Sanford, uh, CEO of Comdivision, but also one of our um, cloud architects. I deal with VCD designs and um, all things VCD every day. And I'm handing over to Jörg. Yeah, Jörg, I'm a technical product manager in VMware's cloud provider team. And with that, I guess to Romain. I was on mute because I have children at home. It's Wednesdays. Um, yeah, Romain Decker. I work for VMware in the same group as uh, Jörg. I'm the guy who does all the patching between the virtual switches. Matthias? Yeah. Matthias Eisner, partner at Comdivision, cloud architect as well, trying to automate the stuff Eve thinks about. Yeah. It always, my stuff always works on PowerPoint. I just left a discussion about uh, whether you can have MQTT and RabbitMQ run at the same point in time with a different API version. Um, I said yes, and then said, it's like, uh, Matthias will show you how to do that. Um, <laughs> based on your look, you don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> maybe, maybe if I don't move, no one can see me. No. Good, but um, hey, as we have uh, Jörg and Matthias uh, on board, Matthias, you joined the um, the dark forces of using HashiCorp and Terraform um, lately. Um, so, so what's your experience in combination with VCD? Let's let's push that out. As so, and so it's completely true. unprepared, and I know you hate that now. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. So, speaking of happy Star Wars Day, everyone, may the fourth be with you. You started it, not me. Uh, yeah, so speaking of joining the dark side of the force and, and playing around with Terraform HashiCorp, being honest, I haven't tried the VCD provider so far. I'm playing what? around with the NSXT Terraform provider. And that one has, let's phrase it, advantages and disadvantages. Um, <laughs> uh, so the idea behind the whole Terraform story is pretty nice if you work with highly standardized infrastructures. As soon as you start trying to build customized infrastructure for different customers, it might get a pain unless you figure out a way how to dynamically build the whole Terraform code. So building code in an automated way. So I'm currently working on a project building Terraform code using VRO. Uh, yeah, I, I really try that. So that's pretty cool because Terraform offers a JSON version of the whole uh, syntax as well. So you can choose either using Terraform JSON files or DHCL syntax, which is more built to be human interactive from my point of view. But yeah, that's a good starting point. So 
start using it if you are familiar with the whole standardization of infrastructures and try to use modules around the whole Terraform to automate Terraform code itself, because otherwise you just produce thousands of lines of code. And the most important hint from my perspective is test, really test every individual function with the TF provider you're trying to use or you're planning to use. And more important, test those in combination and really work on what if I would like to change an object because the creation process works perfectly fine. It gets really interesting as soon as you start trying to modify existing objects and or configurations. So that's my point of view. Great. Jörg, any, any points from you? I mean, I, you, I yeah. know you played a lot with it in lately, and I think you spoke about it in one of the last sessions that you were preparing something anyway. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, so I mean, um, Terraform is a nice way to describe the infrastructure as code. I mean, that's the whole point of it, to have like a descriptive format of what you are trying to automate, and then use quite simple Terraform plan and Terraform apply commands to let the Terraform provider make all these complex, otherwise complex API calls to get the infrastructure um, to that state um, that you described. Now, when it comes to um, comparing the, like some kind of change management or drift management, that's where you need to work with different constructs in Terraform, these um, Terraform resources. And um, depending on yeah, the level and the quality of the provider. Um, not all the objects that can be deployed are also represented as um, data sources so that Terraform can read back the, uh, the current state of the infrastructure again. However, um, you can usually figure that out quite, uh, quite easily because Terraform does a very good job and whoever builds the, um, these integrations for the providers, they usually do a pretty good job of documenting um, the different data sources that you have and the different objects that are available in the provider. And since it is an open um, source project, at least most of the um, providers that I'm aware of, so these Terraform providers that connect Terraform to different infrastructure pieces, um, it's not only limited to vSphere, we have, there are a lot of um, well, other components as well, public cloud providers, whatever. Um, so these are typically open source projects as well. So you can find the documentation on the Terraform homepage, but you usually also can find the um, actual source code of the provider on GitHub. And in most cases, even use GitHub issues to get in touch with the developers directly. So for the VCD provider, for example, I know that is um, actively developed by a team of VMware engineers, and they are very responsive and very transparent about that procedure. So when you look at the GitHub issues, they are um, responding to questions and uh, problem reports from customers, but they also public, um, publish like roadmaps and uh, change logs for the different versions. And I think they just released a few weeks back, like one or two weeks back, the latest version of the VCD provider, adding a lot of more NSX capabilities. The 3.6 versions. Yeah, in VCD context. Yeah. Well, speaking uh, of NSXT and Terraform, so what's, what's really funny, because other teams are pretty active as well, speaking of NSXT in that uh, story. So what is still missing, and I tried this platform as a, as shouting out to the development team, please, please, pretty please, with sugar on top, add 
VPN configuration to the NSXT Terraform provider, please. Um, so it's missing for a few years right now. What I saw is someone from VMware actually filed new Terraform provider code for NSXT containing the VPN solution. So it seems to get there, but that's still something which takes ages until you get the proper configuration. But in that kind of uh, in, in that story, you just use Terraform and all the pieces which are missing, you just implement using the REST API in the old fashioned way. But this is a technical uh, forum as well, Jörg. So you, you're playing with Terraform as well. So how do you handle the whole uh, storage or storing and backupping the state file? Because what's a huge pain is if you lose this, the Terraform state file and need to re-import the whole infrastructure because every single object needs to be imported, described in the Terraform code. So how do you handle the backup and restore like uh, restore validation mechanisms? Yeah, so um, usually you have to, in the Terraform environment, um, separate between the Terraform files themselves, which describe the environment, and then the Terraform state files, which is Terraform figuring out like the actual state of the infrastructure and <laughs> matching that against the um, description files. And these state files, for example, you typically don't add to like a, a Git repository or so, because they are not part of the, um, like the change control for the Terraform files themselves. And it depends on the structure of your um, Terraform, well, the, the, the infrastructure that you want to describe, if you actually need to back up them, or if you rather read out the um, existing infrastructure while doing a, like a Terraform plan to, yeah, match to the um, existing environment. Romain, do you have some ideas about yeah. that as well? Yeah, I've seen several times people just using Git uh, to store the JSON that represents the state. But uh, Terraform has uh, well-documented all the various ways to have a remote state. Um, the most common one in the day, back in the days was uh, AWS S3, uh, S3 bucket just used for that, but it, it was quite painful to, to, to build and, and so on. Now, uh, since like 2020, I think, they have a native um, Terraform state hosted in Terraform Cloud. It's free. Uh, you can just use it. I will just, I know it's a meant for a podcast, but I can just share my screen. It's, uh, do you see my correct screen? I guess so. It's Terraform Cloud. You can just register um, for free and you can store the state file. So you can link it to a, a Git um, a repo. So you have the option to just store the state or to also build completely um, execute the Terraform plan and apply from the, the Git repo. So if I check uh, this, that's my that's my blog. So I have a list of states here, and that's the the, the backup. So I have states from two years ago that I can go and check, and it's um, you have diffs between states and so on, and you can um, really dig um, into like history of states. That's what I'm using, personally speaking. But uh, if you go in the Terraform uh, documentation, you have, I think it's close to 10 remote states um, options right now. 
And just to update quickly on what Jörg mentioned, um, it's not meant really, Terraform is not meant really for change management or change control. But there is an interesting data source that we added, uh, that we added in the VCD Terraform provider. It's VCD resource list. Um, it was actually, uh, I actually requested it. And you can loop on existing resources, export the config as a data object in Terraform and just store it uh, in the state. And that's also useful. It's, it's like, it's like a, an extrapolation of what you could do um, with Terraform. And finally, if you're interested, a shameless plug, but I recorded an Empower session for um, Terraform for network automation, uh, where I joined VC and SXT, NSX ALB and VCD Terraform uh, together for three use cases, um, two specifically for providers. One to completely build the networks, the, provi the provider networks. One to onboard new tenants and one for tenant, uh, for tenant consumption. Um, so I recorded that for Empower. So you will see the demos at Empower and so on. And I will publish the code on GitHub in a few weeks. Interesting, it's very useful information. Thanks for that. Um, another thing, what I found out, uh, and now I'm trying to compare a bit and ask towards uh, VCT. If you do Terraform and NSXT, uh, as far as I'm aware of, it's recommended to increase an advanced parameter, allowing more API calls against the NSXT manager. Because for each single object and resource, Terraform, at least fires one API call against the NSXT manager. So the, it's, the sum up, it's, it's uh, tens of calls per second. And by default, NSXT manager can't handle it. But there's an advanced parameter and it's documented. On the other hand, how does VCD handle that amount of API calls? Or is the VCD Terraform provider a bit more relaxed in terms of how many API calls it does per second and per object. Have you any idea about that? Um, so from a VCD perspective, VCD is actually internally pretty good of handling a huge amount of API calls. And we, um, I'm almost sure we even published some um, tested numbers in the maximum configuration guide for Cloud Director. Um, if not, at least we test internally <laughs> at pretty high scale and have some very um, well, large partners and even well internally in our hands-on labs environment where we do a lot of API calls against VCD at a time. That said, currently there is no um, like throttling mechanism for API calls in VCD or in um, what VCD does to NSX indeed. Um, but if you run like a Terraform script or a Terraform file against the VCD API, typically it's as, uh, done as a single user. So the user that you define um, within the Terraform file. And that all works within the user context of VCD. So um, even if you like try it with theoretically overload VCD with that, it typically does not really affect other users. You just might break your own um, script if you go too heavy on that. However, as I mentioned, VCD is super scalable when it comes to API calls. And if, it, if you run into problems with a single Terraform file, then rather have a look at your VCD design. <laughs> Yeah, 
awesome. just want to just wanted to challenge that because usually Terraform, when you create con Terraform configurations, it's most of the time never objects created in parallel. Most of the time, it's objects that are independent to each other, and you have this concept of dependency in Terraform. So most of the time, it creates objects dependently of each other. So it will start by creating uh, a T0 and then the interfaces of the T0, but it's dependent on the T0 completion first. Then after the interfaces, you create, uh, I don't know, the BGP configuration, but it's dependent on the interfaces. So you have more like a workflow in the Terraform configuration rather than having like thousands of API call coming into an SXT in a very short period of time. Um, I've never seen any issues and I, I, I use Terraform quite extensively. That said, where it could indeed happen is for VCD, potentially, if we wouldn't have good numbers in terms of like API ingestion, because potentially you could have like a thousand, a thousand tenants that are like submitting uh, Terraform applies at the same time, uh, which would, I guess, would have like hundreds or thousands of API code at the same time, but uh, it's quite uncommon. Yeah, one, have question, one question which pops up for me is, is really quick to, just to jump in here as a lot of the stuff around Terraform is open source. If a service provider runs into any issue, who is actually the, or can they get any kind of support? Who is responsible for the support? What if it breaks something? I mean, those are the usual open source uh, questions always. Is there a commercial support offering available around it, like what some projects have? Or is it good luck if it fails, it's your problem? <laughs> so um, for the Terraform scripts, it would be um, HashiCorp to be the first like Terraform um, support contact. And for any particular provider, of course, they will relate to the provider developer. And since these are open source projects, you uh, pretty much get support via GitHub. Now for the VCD provider, um, it is a VMware engineering team that is assigned to that and is maintaining that and they are doing a pretty good job, but it's not part of an official um, like GSS style um, contract. Yeah. Which I mean, the reality is, is for a lot of things which you do against API of products and stuff like that is, um, it's not necessarily there. So I just wanted to be mm -hmm. sure that I have that on the breakfast. And then I jumped into, you were just about to say something, Jörg, in the first place before I jumped. Uh, yeah, first for the support thing, um, it might actually help if you use that Terraform provider very, very extensively. Um, it might help to get an API support contract with VMware because that covers well API and client usage. And if you run into any issues that are part of, well, bugs in the Terraform provider, you can't do anything, but if they, um, these bugs rather relate from bugs in the VCD API, then that helps, of course, to um, identify that and file uh, SRs to that. But um, there is some debug option for the Terraform provider as well, where you can see which exact API calls the provider does to the VCD API. And that allows you pretty easily to recreate these calls using CURL or URO or RCLI or whatever, <laughs> uh, generic Postman um, REST calls to the VCD API to reproduce some issues. So you can quite easily find out if you have some problems, if that's a problem in VCD API itself or rather a problem in the um, Terraform provider code. And the other thing I was uh, 
about to mention, there was um, were some discussions in past, for example, based on that um, dependency structure of the different objects in a Terraform file that actually um, makes it, yeah, from some perspective, a bit inefficient if you want to deploy multiple things at the same time. So there were some discussions on that GitHub um, issues section about VApp deployments for large VApps where you have dozens of virtual machines that are part of the VApps. And the way that the Terraform provider does that in combination with the VCD API is to really um, create them one by one rather than having a full um, VCD API call to create the VApp um, in once, which VCD could do, but then you don't get that dependency management in Terraform. And therefore, the Terraform provider has to do that by creating the VApp and then um, adding the virtual machines one by one. And that, that's some of the, um, the drawbacks. However, since the benefits of Terraform are rather to configure the state in the Terraform files rather than having a super efficient like automation or deployment, um, that usually does not um, yeah, impact any of the usage in most scenarios. Makes sense, makes sense. Um, one other thing, uh, lately there was a new version of the NSX V2T migration toolkit. And as we all know, but certainly nearly all service providers by now have migrated hopefully from V2T. But for the very rare, very small amount of people who have not done that yet, uh, Romain, do you have some, some overview about uh, some of the latest uh, fixes, goodies, and scenarios which can now be sorted? Yeah, of course. Um, so first, now the documentation is published on docs.vmware.com. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Uh, so in the past, it was just a PDF in the same uh, download folder. Uh, so I moved everything um, from there into docs.vmware.com. Um, in terms of new features, the main, really the main one is routed VAP network support. Uh, so we now support migrations uh, of uh, routed VAP networks and VAP edge services. Um, it does require um, VCD 10.3.2.1 or newer. So 10.3.3 or 10.3.2.1, that's the very minimum version because we rely on some changes in the UVAP API from VCD. Uh, otherwise, we now support um, uh, UTF-8 characters. So for everyone that has a non-Latin-based language and where tenants are creating descriptions or object names in, I don't know, in Arabic characters, kanji, Cyrillic, and so on, that was not supported in the migration. Um, so now that's supported. Also like specific special characters in, in descriptions like tabs and and, and um, the when you hit on the enter key, like the, the break lines and so on. So things that we never imagined at the, at the beginning uh, and we had to create specific support for that. Uh, then we have a, a few uh, update, updated assessment mode. And then the re remainings are more like updates um, about flexibility. You now have the ability to don't have a destination T0. You can have multiple T0 or VRF at the destination. In the past, it was only one. We changed a few fields in the YAML file. Uh, we support um, edge gateway rate limits migrations. We support um, disk level storage policy, um, name disk migration. We enhanced at that. Um, uh, we, we, we did like a good 10 or 12 items really specifically designed to 
provide a better experience and, and, and really a better flexibility at migrating. And now we are already currently working in the next version of the migration tool. And I know some people asked, well, actually uh, quite a few people asked, the, the migration tool, the 132, is not yet supported with VCD 10.3.3 officially. We are working on that right now. So this week and next week. So if, if we don't find any major issue, it will be certified uh, with the latest and greatest VCD version. And maybe this is this is one of the areas which I missed or just because we have all these crazy people show up. Um, do we have any plans finally to um, allow VCD migrations for customers which are not using edges? So um, where you have NS6V, they use everything as external networks because they put in crazy other third-party vendor firewalls <laughs> and don't put NSX edges somewhere. That is a scenario which you currently can't really migrate and you can't get rid of the old infrastructure from that perspective because you can't move things off of it in the same way. Because if you try to move the workloads without the migration tool, it more or less tells you that the target site is actually NSXT and the source site is V, which is like, yeah, that's intended, but <laughs> there is- that's, a so, that's already supported for a while now. I would say since the 1.2.1 version, so since last, Q1 2021, uh, you can migrate directly connected or VDC networks. Um, you can migrate all VDCs that are on an NSXV provider VDC, but that consume no NSXV um, services whatsoever. So we have a lot of flexibility around that. But the, only the, the only thing that we cannot do, and that's by design, it's obviously, is transform the networking at the same time of the migration. We got several requests of being able to do that. Like I have so many edges with that configuration in the SOOCs and I want uh, only one edge at the destination um, with that other configuration uh, in the destination. That's something that, that we cannot really plan because you have too many scenarios to handle. And it's a, it's a migration tool from V to T. We take some shortcuts into trying to guess what tenants have configured and why they configured it in, to transform them, the same features and the same configuration to NSXT. Uh, but we provide also a lot of flexibility and everything is described in, in docs.vmware.com in the documentation. You have like chapters on directly connected or VDC networks and shared networks. And, routed the app networks and so on and so on. Sometimes you even have options with uh, YAML, YAML so fields in the YAML file that you can enable, disable and so on. Good, um, I think that's, that's a good point out of it. Uh, one last one, because I had that request and maybe I, I missed it somewhere. Um, and maybe that's also a question towards Jörg. Is there a way if I currently have a vCenter which has an NSXV behind it to just remove the NSXV and put an NSXT um, against it? Because we had some struggle with that at one service provider. I'm not sure if that was version related, um, but I think it's still on one of one of my open items list on what we need to. If, let, let me ask, do you mean to kind of 
update an existing PVDC in VCD? Yes. From just vCent from vCenter only to vCenter plus NSXT. Yes, because the service provider has basically deployed NSXV, but never really used it for anything and just has external networks on it. And um, based on that scenario, there is um, more or less nothing really to migrate, just to rip out the old one and put the new one in. <laughs> Not saying that they are going to, I mean, they have use cases for NSXT, but that is something which I have seen now at least one or two times. I think we got around it most cases if we because we were using VCDA or something else then to move the workloads over. But uh, I'm pretty sure with the list of, of cases we still have ahead of us, um, there are potentially cases where that might come up again. I remember we, we filed that question a year ago, different context, same question. Maybe one year later, we might get a different answer. Which answer did you get last time? <laughs> it's not supported and <laughs> not possible. Yeah, so from a VCD perspective, I think the, um, as soon as you enter the NSXV credentials as part of the VCD, uh, vCenter registration in VCD, um, VCD considers that vCenter as an NSXV-based vCenter. And I don't think you can get rid of that NSXV part um, afterwards. You can, since standard-free, but what you cannot do is transform an existing PVDC into a no NSX PVDC. You have to go for, to a new one. So that sort of <laughs> could be the same vCenter, but you still see different clusters. <laughs> I, I still don't like the answer. <laughs> At least it's consistent over years. <laughs> it's a consistent answer, yes. It's not, uh, not solving it anyways. Good. Any other news which we missed since uh, two, three, four weeks ago? Yeah, so I think we have not spoken about GPU support in this roundtable, haven't we? We have quickly spoken about, I think, the fact that it might be coming, but not that it yeah. happened. And <laughs> okay. <laughs> based on the fact that NVIDIA still insists that I currently can't get any delivered, um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm going to visit a few people in June in, in California and have a very, very friendly one-on-one -on -one discussion about it. Okay. Um, yeah, so that is there now um, since actually 10.3.2 in VCD, so uh, back since January, and it allows you to... As a provider, you can create um, vGPU profiles um, that you publish to OrcVDCs pretty much in the same way as uh, placement profiles, and they work in the same way as placement profiles. So they um, make sure that templates, VM templates that you deploy from the catalog or new VMs where you mark um, vGPU support, that they land on physical hosts that have the GPU cards in there, and they will configure the GPU profile into the virtual machine so that the virtual machine sees the uh, virtual GPUs format. Now, that said, um, this uh, functionality is there through UI and APIs. We do have some APIs to measure consumption. However, no integration with uh, VROps or Tenant app yet for a fully blown chargeback and metering. <laughs> the reasons for that is that um, vSphere does not provide uh, yet the exact numbers of utilization. And there are some limitations about uh, quota management 
And uh, currently, well, you have to follow up, of course, uh, first of all, the guidance from NVIDIA and the uh, vCenter team. They have some pretty extensive documentation for that to uh, bring the uh, physical cards into vCenter with all the necessary bits that you have to install and the, um, the profiles to like split up these resources. And then there are some recommendations from NVIDIA, even in theory from a VCD perspective, you could have like multi-tenancy and share the same physical card between virtual machines from different tenants to not do that because from a, um, yeah, it's not a like the same level of full stack multi-tenancy for physical graphic cards as you have for x86 architecture otherwise when it comes to memory separations and stuff like that. So NVIDIA still recommends to keep one card uh, only to be used by one tenant, but of course you can have multiple virtual machines now using the uh, same graphic card. So speaking about GPUs, that does that also mean I can use that with in combination with VCD, TKG and CSE then? Um, that is what we are currently testing and validating. Um, to have these uh, profiles available for the worker nodes so that you can run container workloads um, that meet the GPU profiles. Because that would be the first use case which I potentially would see the most at the moment because we had requests mm -hmm. where service providers currently come up with the whole Tanzu story and then in parallel the GPU story. Mm -hmm. I mean, we yep. had uh, Horizon and desktop as a service stories, I think one or two years ago where they wanted to have mm -hmm. GPUs. I think they figured out a different pathway on how to solve that. Um, but now it's more a tangible story. So, so even mm -hmm. though the original use case for the story is potentially a different one now, but um, we have uh, we mm -hmm. think there is still good use for it. Yeah. So that validation is currently work in progress, um, and we expect that to um, work since it's the same mechanism. Good. Anything else which we missed? No. My next question would have been the one with the hand and that. <laughs> Yeah, so that's where one of the examples where we are often tenant app needs to get the metrics first from vCenter, and then we can match that to the VMs and do some proper chargeback. But that's uh, yeah, will take some time. Wonderful. Then I think it's a wrap. We have a bit of an idea on what we are going to do in the next session. That might be all around Tenzu, VCD, and a bunch of other things. But we need to line up things first, and uh, then you will see if we get something to go. Um, we might also invite uh, Sasha from our team, who does all the tons of pieces on our side as well, um, into it. So that will be more uh, container and Kubernetes uh, session the next time. Um, any other closing words before we close the session? I'm handing over to Matthias to start, because you were the last to introduce yourself. Yeah. So. Terraform, cool stuff, but my opinion is before you start using it in production, please test all the different um, Terraform stuff and implementations and especially together. Thanks. Romain. I would emphasize on Terraform. Obviously, the production comment is quite obvious for me. It's like the, the elephant in the room. It's like, it's like the same for, don't go for production without testing in general. <laughs> but um, I, I would say that I, I, I know Terraform since 2019 now. And when I start building something, I start with Terraform if I can. 
I don't go in the UI. Uh, if if the provider is here and if I have the correct resources, sometimes it's frustrating because you don't have all the resources. You mentioned I VPN for an SXT, but it's my go-to. Uh, I mean, as infrastructure as code, it's you won't find a tool that can do a lot more than than this one. Yeah, Your and as a yeah, final note from myself, when it comes to um, Terraform, not only think about your provider use cases, but also advertise it through your tenant users because um, Terraform is a very good way to well, deploy new stuff into the OrcVDC and consume cloud resources. That's what it's built for. So um, the VCD provider not only allows you as a provider to automate like tenant onboarding and provider related tasks, but the whole, um, pretty much the whole API um, from a tenant perspective is covered as well, as well. So you can use Terraform to deploy vApps, to configure vApp networks, to um, configure yeah firewalling and so on. And it really is a good way for users, especially for example, to, to deploy stuff as part of their continuous integration pipelines when they do software development and to use Terraform for that. So as a service provider, absolutely engage your customers to um, have a look at the Terraform provider, use it in tenant context with their tenant credentials against their tenant org VDCs, and they can um, yeah, very easily automate the consumption of your resources. Wonderful. And I'm going to close with more or less the words that we, you should never actually do anything in production before you have tested it in the first place. <laughs> Has something to do with a keynote I just did uh, about an hour ago about disaster recovery in the cloud and everything else. So it's always better to test it first and then go into production, no matter whether it's called uh, Terraform, VCD, NSX, or anything else in the industry. With that, I would say uh, thank you all for watching and listening and see you all again in a month.